Our global yoga community means the world to us. And during these uncertain times, it's important that we support each other now more than ever. So if you haven't already, please check out and support the COVID-19 Yoga Teachers and Studio Support Fund, which has been set up by the yoga mat company Lifeform, who have donated a whole month's worth of profits to get this fund going. And you can donate to support yoga teachers and studios in need right now. And you can nominate a teacher or studio in your local area to potentially receive an award from this fund. Now it's open to everyone, to anywhere in the world, and to find out more, please visit yogasupportfund.com. Welcome to Child's Pose, a yoga podcast hosted by me, Michael James Wong, teacher, author, and founder of Just Breathe, Boys of Yoga, and Sunday School Yoga. Now this podcast aims to deepen your understanding, expand your perspective, and inspire your yoga practice. As I speak to teachers, community leaders, experts, and also ordinary practitioners about the topics and techniques that have evolved and progressed over the years. From the evolution of alignment, to the joys of practicing at home and now online, to what yoga means to the next generation of teachers. My hope with this podcast is that I can share the wisdom from those early years through conversations with some of the pioneers of the practice, but also speak to the next generation of teachers who are doing their part to keep yoga relevant in the real world. So join me each week as we deepen our understanding, expand our perspective, inspire our practice, and discuss yoga. Past, present, and wherever it's going next. Child's Pose. Let's begin. Hey guys, on this episode of Child's Pose, it's a very special one for me because I'm speaking to Jace Tapatu, who is a proud Kiwi and teacher from New Zealand. For anyone who knows me, I was born in New Zealand, and so for me, it is a very special place. Uh, even though I grew up in Los Angeles, I was raised in a Kiwi household and feel very connected to the culture and the community. So a chance to reconnect and have a conversation with Jace is and was very special. Now, for those of you guys who have not met Jace before, he's a yoga teacher who is based now living in Wellington, New Zealand, which is also the, the city I was born in. And he combines and connects Maori culture with the wisdoms of the yoga practice. He's one who believes in uh, kotahi oroha, which is the sense of one love, and this ability to remind us how important it is to stay connected as a community and be a part of something. He is the co-owner of Afi Yoga and Wellbeing, which is yoga studio, and founder of M3 Mindfulness for Children, which blends together Maori mythology, movement, yoga practice, and mindfulness. It's so important that M3 is about inspiring and creating an opportunity to support the next generation. So join us as we listen in on this conversation, and this was the time I spent with Jace Dapatu. Hey guys, so welcome to this episode, and I want to welcome in again, Jace Tapatu. Jace, my brother, how are you? 
Hello, my brother. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm, I'm great tucked in my little corner of the world down in New Zealand. I feel very grateful to be here <laughs> at this time. Well, it's great to hear you. And, and, you know, it's been a few years since you and I have had a chance to catch up and connect. But I do want to say before we get into our little conversation, how much of a joy and a hopeful inspiration it is to always see the work that you're doing, whether it's with teaching in the studio, whether it's with M3 stuff, which we'll come on to in a little bit, and uh, recent talks and community work. So thank you for spending some time with me today. True pleasure, brother. At the very least, it's really nice to reconnect after all these years, and I'm sure we could go longer than the time allows us to have a really good catch up and get to the nuts and bolts of how we've both evolved over this time because I also echo that and I see your work that you're doing in the community so the feeling is utterly mutual my friend thanks for having oh, me on. well thanks so much one of the main reasons why I wanted to have a chat with you on this podcast you know being that it is a podcast around conversations for yoga teachers with teachers across all disciplines in kind of our, our wider community what I thought was really interesting as well, and I think a very relevant thing to speak about, is Jace is based in New Zealand. He is a Kiwi, and he uh, lives um, you know, in the country, whereas I'm here in London. But we have this bond where I, uh, you know, I'm a Kiwi, born in New Zealand, but raised elsewhere. But I think in recent times and in recent news, we've seen a lot of positivity come out of New Zealand, out of decisions, out of the culture as a whole. And it, it made me think that there's a lot that we can learn as yoga teachers about what's going on down there and the spirit of it. And so I thought rather than maybe try to speculate a bit of what the connections could be, I thought, why not go to the source or someone I really believe is the source of yoga mm -hmm. and New Zealand as someone I really look up to as that inspiration. I thought we could have a little chat about that as part of this. So what what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about that? Thanks, brother. That's a great question. Well, can I speak about it from my perspective of having lived in Australia and more specifically Sydney for uh, 11 years all up before I came home and that was five years ago, almost that long ago when I met you, brother. And what I noticed, first of all, when I got home from living in Sydney, which is fast paced and, and, you know, you live in London and big cities like New York or, you know, Hamburg or, or any big city that, that pace, that pace in the lifestyle is very quick. It's very fast. And one of the things that struck me when I got home, even though I'm a Kiwi, <laughs> is that I was on this hamster wheel and was like, get things done quickly. And there was this sense of urgency that here everyone in New Zealand doesn't really have, I have to say. And that full disclosure at first when I got back with that kind of Sydney sparky, fiery, let's get stuff done. It struck me how everyone was just really relaxed and slow. Mm. And I, even being native to this country and indigenous Māori from this country, my staff were calling me, me the, the Aussie. Oh, here comes the Aussie. Look out. He's going to get us <laughs> to do something. <laughs> do you know? And that, and that yeah, offended yeah. me at first. Uh, and so I would say it's the, the, the slow-paced lifestyle, which I've adjusted to. I feel like I've kind of met everyone in the middle and that, 
everyone knows that if I, if we agree on a time or we agree to a buy when, then we still do our best to get it done. But there's also the, a relaxed attitude around it, which is kind of like in yoga, right? That balance between stira sukhasanam, that balance between effort and ease. Uh, which we try to find in every physical posture. And and that's what I love about that is that, yeah, slow-paced lifestyle, that's the first thing. And so it, in general, Kiwis are a little bit more relaxed is the easiest way to say that. Yeah. And, th- and then the second thing is, which I, I have just delved more and more into this, is in the world, Māori culture which is such a rich, beautiful culture. And as I'm proud to say that I'm a Māori man that uh, comes from much like uh, Hinduism and the practice of yoga. From a, I come from a line of this rich culture, this lineage that has great wisdom and is by default quite spiritual and in this modern world Maori culture as an indigenous culture of New Zealand of a country is recognized as kind of a leader in the world in the way that Maori culture here in New Zealand and you know and it's even more so now since probably you were home in New Zealand Mm. uh, it's it's more integrated here in mainstream an example of that is for our six o'clock news you will have two caucasian news readers greeting the nation by saying tēnā koutou katoa, which is our maori language so they're speaking there's more and more people speaking our language there's more and more people following our ancient customs which is really gorgeous and so my point is that new zealanders and Māori culture is very spiritual by nature. So it makes sense that, you know, there's lots in New Zealand that can be, uh, I suppose, compared to the beautiful teachings of yoga. And that's what I've what I've aimed to do is to bring the t- two worlds together because they speak such similar things. When I, yeah. when I read a yogic text, I also remember my nan and my grandfather telling me stories of uh, similar teachings that align fully with the teachings of yoga. And I think that's really beautiful as well. And and I think there's a lot of teachers all around the world, teach from different places, communities, backgrounds, cultures, and we are gifted this knowledge and this wisdom from the yoga practice but sometimes in doing that, we leave out parts of our own culture, parts of our own identity as a mm-hmm. way to maybe show a sign of respect or a sign of uh, focus towards the yoga practice. Me personally, I believe that it's important as teachers to bring ourselves, our communities, our cultures, our experience, our parents, our you know ancestors with us to the practice and bring them together, let them uh, merge together as your own unique perspective. And, you know, I know you do that very well, and that's really important as well for you as a teacher and for the studio. Um, But could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I can. Uh, Absolutely. Well, 
can I say that coming home to New Zealand was kind of a return home because I really missed when I was an Aussie and seeing how the indigenous people of Australia were treated. Uh, I re it made me miss home and it made me really deeply appreciate how integrated our culture is into mainstream culture here in New Zealand. And so when I got home and opened, as you know, uh, back then it was Power Living. When I opened Power Living, I realized that uh, through studying yoga texts more and more and kind of getting prepared to run teacher trainings here in New Zealand, it made me fall more in love with my Maori culture. And because I've been away from it for 11 years living in Australia, another easier way to say this, yoga made me fall in love with my culture again. And then through diving more into my culture, reintegrating language back into my everyday uh, vernacular, like speaking te reo Māori, our native language, made me fall in love with the yogic texts because they both said, say the same thing. And it really enriched my, I, I suppose, experience of yoga as a whole. And therefore, I feel, made me a fuller, like you were saying, iteration of a teacher and that I was able to teach from the perspective of, of two cultures that in essentially say the same thing and if I could go a step further and say that through studying like mindfulness you I know you want to speak about that and uh, I've kind of fell more in love with Buddhism and partic in particular Zen Buddhism uh, which is kind of the lineage that I studied uh, mindfulness under that they all say the same thing all of these wisdom cultures these ancient cultures the Eastern cultures and my culture, they all say the same things in just a different language. Mm. And so I, I suppose that the more I put my feet in both camps, yoga and Māori, the more uh, entrenched I become in uh, being a richer teacher because I... Yeah, I, I, people said to me a couple of weeks ago, they said, oh, I love how you, this is when I was teaching online during lockdown, how you speak in one class, you speak English, you speak Sanskrit and you speak Māori. <laughs> and I don't understand Sanskrit and I don't understand Māori, but I get the essence of it because it's all saying the same thing. And so they got it without really knowing the mm. language. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And, and I'll say that personally for me. I mean, that is one of my most powerful memories of spending time with you and being in a class with you is that sense of bringing many, many paths of the same truth into one class, one conversation, which is really, really, I mean, I mean we'll say unique and special. And I, I think that this is a, is a great inspiration for a lot of people listening who speak other languages, come from different cultures to be the permission to bring that within a class because people don't need to know the exact words what you're saying, but they can feel the connection, they can feel the spirit of the practice, yes. they can feel that sense of, you know, true uh, relevancy to, to you as a teacher. Mm -hmm. I remember, and, and this, this tracks back a few years, because obviously, you know, we know each other from, you know, a, a yoga festival tour that we did together five or six years ago, mm -hmm. or however long that was, and we went 
to Sydney. Uh, well, I went to Sydney and and Brisbane and Melbourne, and we we were in Auckland with you. And I remember so powerfully that we had this conversation. You said, "Would would it be okay if we start with a Maori blessing before the festival?" And for me, it was so powerful because it was very much. You know the spirit of the country for me it was special because it was where I was born, so it made me feel a sense of home. Even though I haven't really spent much of my life in country, still raised in a Kiwi household, raised in a in a Kiwi family structure and a sense of community. If I was to put you on the spot, do you remember what that was or what 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 you offered at that festival? Fully, yeah, fully, I do. I can even see. I I can see us. Yeah. Could you could you share it and explain it? I can. So in in Māori, what what we tend to do is to bless the space, and it's it was probably an iteration of something. I'll say it in English. Oh, I can say it in Māori. Um, uh, I return to the source, which is the beginning of all thoughts. Kote papatua nukuifai a e toro. Meaning sky father that's up, um, that stands tall and earth mother that lays beneath us. I greet you both. And here's it, if I could just jump in now here. This is here already one of the most beautiful similarities between Hinduism and Māori. Um, we believe that, that in that little greeting I just did before, we believe that... Um, source you might call it love or god or the divine created us and from that was earth earth mother and sky father that's who in our culture in maori culture and already there's a similarity with the story of uh, atman uh, or who um, sent uh, mother ganges ganges down to earth but she was so powerful to be here on earth that um, he put Shiva, or Atman, also Brahman, um, mm. put Shiva in the middle to um, kind of quell the power of Mother Ganges so she could be down. So another way to say that is Sky Father and Earth Mother, even in Hinduism culture. Um, so I acknowledge the gods. Uh, I acknowledge our ancestors in that blessing, I remember. I acknowledge all the people who had come from afar to be here with us. I acknowledge you who had travelled as a, we call it as a rangatira, as a, as a leader, as a special mm. someone with a special skill. And then I acknowledge all the other brothers, Anwa and um, Tane, who one of my friends who yeah. I got up, uh, and just and just um, uh, a prayer to make sure that the work that we were doing that that yoga practice was blessed and then it came from a heart-driven place with no ego. Yeah. And I think even, I mean, hearing that again and listening to it, it is so powerfully human and it has that sensibility to, you know, straight away help us understand and connect. Even just, you know, the 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 way that you share the blessing, the way that you um, understand it or translate it, it very much has those same similar truths, those same similar stories, those same similar uh, ways in which we can be inspired for well-being, connection, empowerment, and it is a beautiful thing. 
And so thank you for sharing thank that. You. And, and thank you for remembering that moment. It was very special. And for me, it was a very much a homecoming of, of feeling again reconnected, which I always, you know, always love those moments where I can feel that reconnection. And, and, I, and I say that I, I see it a lot when, whenever I see your posts, your, the work that you're doing, because, you know, in, in my mind, you, you are very much a teacher, my teacher for that connection between yoga and, and New Zealand and home. And I think that's a, it's a powerful thing that, that everyone uh, should have a sense of connection to the practice that, but that also connects us to our home and our heritage and our cultures. Truly. Yes. Thank you. So can I ask you as well then about the studio, because I know you bring a lot of that into the studio itself. And obviously you've shifted names, you've shifted a little bit of the community, you've shifted perspective, not just of what the, the class is and the people, but also the ethos of it is. Um, what's it like in the studio environment now? I mean, obviously this is still mid-lockdown for us in London. I know you guys are edging towards um, kind of normalcy again. I mean, what is what is New Zealand mm -hmm. like right now? And what is yoga in New Zealand like right now? What is New Zealand like right now? There's, there's definitely a sense of shift. And I truly do hope that it continues or evolves into something beautiful where we're much more awake and we use the time that we were in quarantine. We I don't know what it's like around the rest of the world, but for us, quarantine and lockdown meant we weren't allowed to leave our house. And we call it the bubble, and we're only allowed in our household bubble. Is that the same in London? Yeah, very much for the, for the same. At the very beginning, it, it was a sense of please stay at home. There was only allocated times you could go out, whether it's for essential shopping or I think it was mm -hmm. something like a twenty minute, an hour of exercise. But everything else was stay home, stay indoors. Yeah, very similar here. And so as we've kind of headed back we dropped down from level that was level four when we were asked to stay home and then we were at level three for a while and we're currently in level two where there's still restrictions but they're looser and then it looks like next wednesday we might go to some sense of new normalcy <laughs> so that's what mid-june yeah, it'll be mid-June uh, by the time that happens. And that that's that's a good amount of time. And uh, there's a sense of what I what I am getting, and this is only my experience, is that people are kinder. And I didn't think it was possible, but we're also a lot slower. <laughs> For example, today I, I was um, walking to go and teach at my studio, which is in the middle of the city, and this woman was almost power walking like with this anxious energy surrounding her and like five of us who witnessed and were in, within a um, standing distance of each other all stopped and just watched her like what's the hurry lady <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah well that's really weird just what seeing someone rushing when we've all been forced to take our time and slow down and i and i truly do hope that that being kinder that i'm experiencing and out there and that the slowing down stays and that and that uh we continue going slower and ease our way back into 
this new normalcy. Uh, and, and what's yoga like in New Zealand at the moment? Well, because of the economic hit that I'm sure it's taking on the rest of the world, three yoga studios in Wellington have closed down already. Right. And that's only in the last week. So uh, it hit them hard. I, I feel really grateful and, and, and uh, I touch wood when I say this and I feel really grateful that our studio has enjoyed uh, some great success and we had our busiest time from January through until March before we went into lockdown ever. Wow. In the time that we've been open. So it gave us a bit of a runway financially and so I'm grateful for that because uh, if I could offer... Like I never got into it for the money, but it is important to <laughs> to pay the bills and to pay the rent. Yes. And you've been to our place, and it's, it's a big place and um, big place, and it's a beautiful place. Thank you, bro. And uh, yeah, and we're, so we were fortunate to have some good months and a good year last year. And I might speak to that what you asked right at the beginning is that uh, when we were a power living and all love and all respects to the teachings and the teachers that I had at Power Living. Uh, but I feel like I wasn't able to fully be the expression of yoga within my culture because I had to kind mm -hmm. of adhere to how things are done within that framework. And when we stepped away and decided to change the name of our studio to Uffy, I felt more aligned. Like, you know, when you get really aligned, we feel really aligned in a physical posture and you can become a fuller expression of that posture, whatever that means for you personally. I feel that's what happened when we stepped away and we were able to create something that was more in line with us, more in line with our culture, more in line with where we are in the world. Afi, the word Afi in Māori means to support and to help. And I, I truly feel that that's what I am rather than a teacher. Like I'm a, I'm a, a guide, someone who supports someone or helps someone with their holistic well-being. I, I know that in the yoga world, there tends to be, especially initially when you start yoga, and I feel <laughs> Instagram has got something to do with this maybe, is that people start for the physical aspects of the practice. And that's a way in. But you and I both know, and all the teachers who are listening, all know that it's a much more holistic practice. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, it, it's, it's, yes, obviously yoga is a, a physical practice in this Western world, but originally it was to find calmness in the mind and to calm the fluctuations of the mind, and uh, which allows us to become whole and full or realize the wholeness of our spirit. And Afi, my yoga studio name now, means to help people with their holistic well-being, taking care of their body, mind, and spirit. And there's one more element, uh, which is social well-being, meaning a connection to others and the greater world around us. Yeah. Not only do I think that is a very powerful message, and I think that aspect of, you know, of having that sense of support of the spirit and support of the community is so essential, because I think at times, um, as yoga teachers, we can forget, I mean, forget's not the right word, we can, we can get 
maybe led to believe that it's a solo endeavor a lot of times, that we, we have a focus of what we're offering. We come in and we do it. When I'm talking more about the, the teaching side of it and that how important mm-hmm. it is to have that sense of community, that sense of structured community around you, that sense of you know physical and mental well-being, it really is you know a, a holistic approach which it, you know, it is very much, you know, the yoga community, you as an individual and your team and your community, but it is very much in that spirit uh, of New Zealand and that spirit that, that I, I tend to believe is, you know, kind of apparent and part of the everyday culture. Yes. Thank you. I, I, I believe that too. And, and I truly believe that when we do the work on ourselves, which is that uh, silo of being on your own personal mat and doing your own personal practice of inner self-inquiry and 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 your personal journey is that the more you connect is probably the best word to yourself and the more you can be truthful with yourself then that informs how deeply connected you can be with others mm. and how much more truthful you can be with others and, and and I think the work that we do inner allows us connect to connect outer I think absolutely this podcast is part of Sunday School Yoga an international teachers community an online teacher training platform supporting new and developing teachers as they learn, share, and grow together. So make sure you check out sundayschoolyoga.com to find out more about how to get involved and to explore the growing selection of online courses you can enroll in from anywhere in the world. I think as well, though, now as teachers, more than ever, we also have a responsibility to the future and to share the positivity with the next generation or with, you know, the generations that are around us. And I know that you do a lot of work in the community, focusing around mindfulness, focusing around working with teenagers and kids, bringing both the practices of Maori and uh, aspects of meditation and mindfulness. Mm. I mean, what what is that? What is it? I mean, what is the program? What is the work? And where did it all come from? And what actually makes it such a, a driving importance in in your life right now? Well, it's a big question. I'm trying to put everything into order. I suppose if I was to start with my why, my why is twofold the work that I do with children uh, came about because I asked my niece three years ago now how are you Uh, and her dad obviously is my brother and she was had a had a quite a traumatic upbringing and that mum and dad were no longer together at that time Dad had had a heart attack, survived. Mum was a substance abuser. uh, And so, you know, back and forth between mum and dad. And she said to me, 
or uncle I'm not good which is heartbreaking to hear from your seven-year-old niece yeah and that was one thing and the second thing was I remember doing some research um, and apart from being the highest in the world or overrepresented in the world by Maori men, we have the highest suicide rates for men in the world. I think we're second or we were first for youth suicide in the world as well. Right. Uh, which is alarming, really alarming. And so that another way to say this, the state of our kind of mental health and well-being in this country is 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 yeah alarming and then i did some research around children and that since 2006 the use of anxiety and antidepressant medicine for children had risen by 80 percent wow which is also alarming <laughs> and one of my students at afi yoga said to me can you come out and teach at my school? It's a, uh, they're nine, 10 year olds and mostly Māori Pacific Island. And I think you'd be a great role model. Could you come out and teach? And I did, and I loved it. I love teaching kids anyway, but I was just there to teach yoga, just move and breathe and mm. uh, a nice Shavasana. And I loved it so much that I stopped and stayed there for longer and just got chatting to them and we talked about stories and when I was growing up we were told stories like you know people learn the fairy tales Cinderella and you know all the all the fairy tales Goldilocks and you know Red, Little Red Riding Hood all that but in New Zealand we also taught Maori stories which are really beautiful stories about my ancestors our ancestors who did some amazing things and there's some great themes and I said to the kids, who knows Maui? Maui's a, um, a, a great kind of hero mm. character in my culture. Yeah. He's a superhero, really. And they were like, yeah, I love Maui. He's that fat guy on, Mo on Moana, <laughs> the Disney movie. And I was alarmed because that's all they knew about Maui. But there's these amazing stories, much like the beautiful stories and myths of yoga, you know, or Virabhadrasana, mm. for example, or Hanumanasa, or Hanuman, or, you know, there's so many great stories within both cultures. And so I can, it's, that was how it got started. And I came up with a program called M3, and there's three components. One is storytelling, so teaching the children Māori stories. And then we put the stories into their bodies through movement, and the movement is yoga, so slow and mindful movement with breath. And through learning the movement, they actually learn the story deeper. It's somatized in their bodies. So like an example is they're in Warrior One, with their hands forward as if they're pulling down the sun, slowing the sun down, which is one of the stories about Maui, how he slowed the sun so it didn't go so fast across the sky and now we have long days. Uh, and then the final uh, element of M3 is, as you discuss, is mindfulness, which I, I love teaching to these children. And essentially, brother, which is so apt for 
me speaking to you, it's at the core of it is to teach our children to just breathe and be in the moment, moment to moment to moment. And it's been going so well. And I sit here in my meditation room at home looking at my walls right now and they're filled with pictures that children from all 200 schools and early childhood centres that I've worked with so far, um, not all of them, but some of my favourite pictures are on my wall to remind me of my purpose. I feel like my purpose is here on this earth to teach our children some tools so that they can navigate their way through this life easier and better. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I, I've followed the the work that you've been doing and I know how powerful it can be when teachers make it a focus and a purpose to teach and inspire you know, the next generation, to allow people to feel a sense of belonging, to have amazing ways to, you know, inspire them. So what I wanted to ask you for, for people listening to this podcast who are teachers in their own right, or people who are just really, you know, inspired and or dedicated to the, the next generation. I mean, what, you know, we, we hear a lot about kids yoga we hear a lot about we should have you know if, if every child did yoga or meditation the world would be a beautiful place can i maybe ask you some some practical questions of course to maybe say for teachers out there going okay well jace i love this but you also are armed with you know the stories of maori culture what can i do as a teacher in my community where i might not have these rich stories how can i inspire the next generation how can i set uh, an example for for kids what can i do as a teacher i have been doing this great question um, you know what i've come to realize for teaching children is that it's not actually i mean the what has a lot to do with it you know what you are teaching obviously has a lot to do with it but when it comes to children it's also how how you teach uh, and I've been working with a neuroscientist who's doing some research on our program and she, what it comes down to, especially in the early childhood, I work with children from two to 10 years old and uh, it doesn't matter, going back to your question, it doesn't matter what the material is, it's how. And the neuroscientist said that as long as there's a play element in the program then which is why I do the storytelling at first because it's my kind of way to hook in like I've seen yoga work as well in schools that um, we have a, a program called seedlings yoga which is uh, very very different and they just teach just yoga postures but they use animal names right and get the kids to be them as well and embody them and do the noises of them, which isn't really a, a, a calming, mindful aspect, but it, to get them into the shape and to get into the physicality of the shapes. That's one way. That's an example. And I hear you around the, oh, I don't have the stories that I don't have the tools in, the, in my kit that perhaps you do, Jace. 
And, and I acknowledge that M3 really is a beautiful intersection where I get to use all of my skills as a past performer. I get to use that in the storytelling and the movement, but I obviously get to use my ex-dancer expertise and my yoga um, practitioner for 18 years ability. And then in the mindfulness, I've been doing um, a sitting practice. I don't call it meditation, but I've been doing a sitting practice for daily now for almost eight years. So I feel like M3 is a wonderful intersection of all the things that all the tools I have in my kit. But I would just say to teachers, make it fun if it's for children. If you start with the fun aspect at first, then once once the children are engaged, is the word, they will do anything. They will sit still for you. And so I can start off telling a story and they're sitting on the edge of their seat. And then we get up and we move and we get rid of all that energy so that when I say to them, let's sit down and let's practice mindful posture and let's do our mindful breath and then let's and let's be still and be quiet together by the end it's like you can hear a pin drop and that's even even with not so much the two-year-olds but from three through to five-year-olds those preschool kids um, it's pretty magic i can only imagine i mean that sense of not only having something so inspiring to offer and to share but to actually be in the presence of it being received so potently and I think I mean you answered my question beautifully in that sense of you know while we don't all necessarily have the same tools as you or even similar tools just that ability to inspire play inspire joy inspire learning through play is such a powerful thing when we're working with kids working with Um, not even just kids, but working with, you know, maybe newer people to any practices, people who are resistant to, um, kind of stepping into a yoga studio, just that sense of allow them to experience joy. And that in many ways is the, the doorway in. Truly, you got it. Uh, I think about the best teachers that I had when I was at school, again, it's just my experience and they were a great mixture of awesome wisdom but also playful yeah uh and 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 you know those are my favorite teachers in fact my favorite teacher at school is now my friend and she comes to my my studio amazing and i remember her miss what it was that she was she was everyone loved her she was so playful and happy and vivacious and effervescent and that's the thing I remember about her the most, but I also remember she taught me a lot. Like I, I wanted to listen to her. I wanted to hear what she had to teach me. And so if that was, a, you, you, you're right. It's not just for children. It's for adults. If you can find that gorgeous alchemy between those two of playfulness and this, again, it's the balance of effort and ease, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, it's such a it's such a, a good reminder for us all that you know, oftentimes the greatest teachers are the ones we actually want to learn with and from and be around and spend time with, and the capacity in which we can create the environment to allow people to receive it, to feel comfortable sitting with it, to be in the space enjoying it, is yes. the quality of, of 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 you know beautiful teaching. 
Yes, it's um, one of many skills of a great teacher, I feel, is to create an environment where uh, you nurture. I always think of the the word nurture when I when I th when I think of children, and you know you've got to plant the, got to uh, fertilize the soil, get it ready, don't you? Another another mm. way ways to say that is engage them and make them feel safe with you, and then then they will, like I said, do whatever you want. And yeah, um, I love seeing. Uh, and I'm trying not to be attached to it either. That's my next level of practice is I love seeing progress with children and I love the hearing results from, uh, from teachers or principals at schools or centers who, who say that, you know, these children have shifted through doing mindfulness. Imagine if, it, if imagine if you or I, or dare I say it, Donald Trump had mindfulness at school you know, like how, how, I, I wonder if the world would be in the current position it's in if our generation of who are now heading towards 40s, 50s and 60s and beyond had mindfulness at school. I, I reckon we'd be a, a much different position than we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. It is so important that... I think all kids, you know, need to uh, have this as a part of school, as an essential curriculum. And I think, you know, times are changing. I think momentum is shifting. And I think, you know, leaders like yourself in the community, bringing that in is the way that it is done. And I think if I loop it back to how the conversation started, I think a lot of the world is looking towards New Zealand as a sense of hope and inspiration. And I think it's it's the work that you're doing while it might seem only, you know, onshore in schools that, you know, people are, you know, looking and listening to the work that's being done as a way to inspire their own communities. So thank you so much for doing that and being that. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I don't take this responsibility lightly. I, I, I truly feel that, I, yeah, like I said, I've been put here to do this work and when it comes to our children and our future, I, I will invest all I can to be of service to them and for our future generations. And the work is um, is going beyond our shores, if I can share. Because mm. I had a, a, a connection to Australia when I lived there, obviously. I also had a connection to some uh, of the Aboriginal community, the Indigenous people of that land. And they've expressed interest, a group particularly in the Northern Ter Territories have expressed interest in the way that I've used my, our native indigenous stories to interweave mindfulness and yoga into this program. And so uh, probably not until next year now, once the, once the flight restrictions lift, I'm going to head to Australia and see how we can maybe create a, a an iteration that of m3 uh because these are maori myths so you just take mm. the the m the maori out and you can you can replace that with any indigenous myth and there's so many different myths and joseph campbell writes about it in all of his books about myths and how they play such a major part in our history and our 
society in general, our, our myths can uh, have such amazing themes as well. And if this program could be implemented in other countries with the other elements of mindfulness and yoga, like that would be such a beautiful thing. And I suppose I'm just saying, watch the space because uh... yeah. Well, <laughs> as you know, as as always, anything that I can do to help or anything we can spread and share, I think you are absolutely right in this ability to share with this generation, the next generation, the the huge value of mindfulness and movement and myth and that sense of connection to heritage is so worthwhile and so needed as we continue to move through in a forward direction. Thank you, brother. I'm super uh, happy to be a part of that, uh, starting in my country um, anyway. <laughs> Our country, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I could chat to you for hours on end about all things in the yoga practice and in life and in culture and community. As we round up this conversation, I wanted to ask you one last question, which you've touched upon um, quite a lot through this conversation, but I thought I'd ask it one more time as a way to, to wind it up, which is when all is said and done, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What a beautiful question. Hmm. The way I can sum it up is probably, I said this in my TED talk last year, and it's a really beautiful proverb, which is kind of like a sutra. It's a proverb in Māori, which says, Hapaitia te aratika pūmauai te rangatiratanga mō ngā uri whakatipu. Uh, and that means, foster the pathway of knowledge to strength, independence and growth for future generations. I want people to remember that that's what I did, that I was able to foster a pathway for strength and independence and growth and um, creating, simply put, mindful, kind, loving human beings. And leaving the world in a better place that way. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, uh, could you, Jace, could you say that one more time for us? And the translation or the meaning of that is to foster the pathway of knowledge to strength, independence, and growth for our future generations. Amazing. Letting that sit for a moment. Hmm. So in the spirit of this conversation, this podcast, I do want to say how much joy it is to speak to you, how much it is to sit and to listen and to learn with you. Um, these conversations are so important in all shapes of the yoga community because it allows us to recognize that there is so much on offer when we lean into different ways that we can be of service, that we can be empowered to support our communities and to continue to show up as teachers. Um, and so I think what's important as well is to make sure that these conversations continue on. And so what I was going to ask, Jace, yes. is... 
if people are interested, they want to stay connected, they want to learn more about M3, what are the best places to connect with you, to share with you, to find out more? Sure. Uh, well, it's a modern day, you know, it's a modern day of age now. So social media is a is a great way to quickly connect. But uh, as most people who know me know that I have a kind of how would you say it? Interesting relationship with social media. Uh, but I see the immediacy of being able to contact someone straight away. So yeah, social media, uh, Jace Tepatu on, on Instagram and then M3 mindfulness for children on Instagram as well is a great place to definitely stay in touch with what, what, what is happening. Great. Well, thank you so much. And as I said, this is a, a true joy to have a catch up. I think uh, being so far away, speaking to you is really a, a nice sense of, of feeling that sense of home. And I think for everyone listening in, there's been a huge amount of, um, of, of wisdom and inspiration shared here and lots that we can take on board as teachers as we move through this world, sharing this practice. Mm. So for those of you guys who do want to stay connected, make sure you follow along Jace and uh, M3 Mindfulness for, for Children, all the things that are out there in this world that relate to the ways that we can continue to be of service. So thank you for being here. Thank you guys for listening. This has been uh, an enjoyable conversation to really dive deep in the aspects of learnings from both the New Zealand culture and how it relates to the practice as well as the future generations and how important it is to continue to do the work to inspire. Thanks, Jace, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. Yeah, fantastic. Deep bows, deep bows. Absolutely. So thanks again for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time on Child's Pose.